So my name is Moises. Uh, today we get the opportunity to wrap up this amazing series, Promises of Blessings, which, guys, hasn't it been a treat to start 2023 with, with an amazing sermon series? Um, I, I, Pastor Andrew has done a great job of taking us through the Old Testament and showing us stories of, of promises that took longer than others and people that went through the steps of, of the challenges of what, what it would take for them to receive what God had told them from the beginning. Um, last week, he wrapped up, and I'm going to go quickly here because you got three preachers coming up here today. So um, not that they talk a lot. I'm just saying, you know, it's just, I just want to be cautious. Uh, so la last week, Pastor Andrew wrapped up that sermon series, speaking of Joseph. You know, and, and touching on that, on that, on that story. And, and it, it is amazing to me that sometimes all the things Joseph went through, what he went through with his family, how long all that took, the blessings that he saw on the other side of those things, he still, when it was all said and done in Genesis chapter 50, as he is dying, he is still longing and looking forward to the other things that God had in place to do. He is still believing wholeheartedly that God had something planned that went further than his life, even so. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 24 to 26, I'm just going to read. He said, soon I will die, but God will surely come to help you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. When God comes to help you and lead you back, you must take my bones with you. In other words, he was telling his brothers I won't be around when this happens, but when it does, it's going to be so good that you better take my bones with you. I want to be part. What a visionary. Could you imagine if for one second you and I took the, the steps to say to ourselves, maybe the promise I'm waiting for goes beyond my lifetime. One that may not be tied directly to me. One that I won't be personally benefited from, but one that is tied to a greater plan of God. That would be of great blessing to a group of people. It's going to be so good. Take my bones when you get there. I'm a little excited today. <laughs> I just came from a conference this past week as if I needed any more. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I'm just here. Today we're going to talk about launching the promise. And, 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 you know, in a lot of ways, when we have to walk these things out and activate the things that God has told us to do or the, or the ways that God has told us to follow, it could be difficult. Whether you're in it permanently or it's a short-term thing, no, it is difficult. It, it tests our faith. It's a difficult process because in that process, we are asked to do things that we're not comfortable with. This morning, I want to lead us off with a formula that I think is undefeated. I think God has given us the ability to accept no restrictions when it comes to walking in what he has called us to do. And it may cost you, and this leads me to my first point, is that it may cost you to sacrifice your best. To sacrifice your best. We have a, the, this tendency to constantly ask God, God, what is next in my life? What do I need to do next? What, what's the next thing you want from me? What's, what's that next chapter of life? And I was asking myself the other day this at my house. And God dropped into my heart this question. And he said, Moises, what is your best? What is your best? That's all I want. Lead with your best and you'll see what I do with your life. Instead of wondering what the next step for our lives is, we should just want to give God our best and see what he can do with it. 
In Proverbs, we find, we find that it says, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. But it takes time, right? Sometimes it's difficult for us to give someone our best. But the truth of the matter is that God has given us everything that we have. I tell the people of Waxhaw that we don't have an ownership mentality. We have a steward mentality. We are just entrusted individuals with the resources of God. We own nothing. He has given us everything. He has given us everything. And your life is meant to be lived on purpose. If you're not doing that, everything else is just existing. With the, with the story of GLC Waxhaw and, and how we came about that, we started asking ourselves, Pastor Andrew and I started the conversations, well, what's the next city? What's the next city? Well, I thought Waxhaw was an outlier city. It's kind of out there. You know, getting in there is difficult, but it's a thriving community of people. Um, so our pastor is willing. I mean, that guy, listen, when this guy sees the door cracked, he's bulldozing through it, okay? <laughs> he runs through it, Okay. And we literally have lunch at that facility. We, we have lunch there in that city, and we begin to talk about it. And, and, and we start, you know, bouncing ideas back and forth. And something inside my heart starts, like, nudging me. Right? Even him and I, honestly, talking to each other, saying, hey, what would it look like if you were the guy that was doing this? If you, if you let the campus, what, what would it look like? We're having these conversations early in 2022, like middle of the year. But then some things happen here at the church, and, and, we, and I begin to pray about it, and God drops into my heart and says, you're not releasing yet. So I tell Rosie, I'm not releasing yet. She's like, okay, cool. <laughs> it was more heartfelt than that, but I'm, I'm, I got to hurry up here. Uh, then I, I tell, I come into the office and tell Pastor Andrew, I said, I, I'm not getting that release yet. Let's just walk to what we have in front of us right now and move forward. In that process, we continue to work and, and have conversations about different leaders. And we knew that the door for the city was open to us, but we didn't have anybody that would walk into that. And I took the personal responsibility of treating this assignment as like a, a personal goal, missions, outreach that I would be a part of. As a connection to GLC, and I, we, we fed the teachers and did some things for the students out there. We had the worship night, and this was a trigger point for a lot of people in my life. My wife said that she felt amazing there, and that God was doing something unique and special. My dad showed up, which was like, oh, geez, here we go. <laughs> you know? He tells me something special has happened. Pastor Andrew shows up. He's like, something special is happening here. But I had tucked away that, that nudge in my heart because I hadn't gotten that release yet. So months go by and nothing really is coming together for the lead uh, of this work. And I'm sitting at home while I'm praying. I, I'm, I'm looking in the mirror, pray for my vanity. And it, as, I'm, as I'm looking into the mirror, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you caught it though. I try to say it fast, see if you would catch it. You caught it. No, 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 no. If you know, you know. Um, so I, I, I was sitting there, I was looking at the mirror, right? And I said, God, who is it going to be? And he said, it's you. And I'm like, really? So that thing sparked within me again, instantly. I'm like, okay. 
So like every husband should do, who do I go talk to next? My wife. Not my son, my wife. All right? And I run out. I'm like, Rosie. She's like, yes. <laughs> no, she said, I, I said, you know, um, I said, I, I'm supposed to do this wax all thing. I think we are the ones that are supposed to do it. Rosie says to me, yeah, I know. I knew that during the worship night. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, nice talking to you, right? So, um, then, no, but she, she like gets tear-eyed because she, she, I, I guess she's been praying about this and it's one of those things, right? He's just kind of letting God work in my life. I, I go, and then the next person left, one more person left, like, dun, 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 Pastor Andrew, right? I come in in the morning and I said, Pastor, I, I, listen, I'm, I'm supposed to do this wax saw thing. And he looks at me and says, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, why didn't anybody tell me? <laughs> and, and you, know, I, I, you know, people say to me, Moises, why would you pursue this path of a campus pastor? Why would you, like, you, you're doing good. The executive role here at Greater Life Church in the main campus, you made it, buddy. You know, and, and, and as I was reading in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says, God has planted eternity in the human heart. 80% of salvations last year were, were reported from churches that were five years or younger. There, there is an important group that we're trying to reach. If my life is fruitless, it doesn't matter who praises me. If my life is fruitful, it doesn't matter who criticizes me. I, I, we, we, don't, we don't walk around for some status or some sort of thing that we want. No, no. I've gotten to the point that, listen, if your life, if you're in a position where you're more focused about impressing people than influencing them, then you're not walking on the path that God is aligning you for. Many times I use my name as an, as an introduction, like this, this funny thing that I use. What's your name? Moises. Come again? What? How do you say it? You know? And Moises with the name. Right. You know, and I, I probably won't do the story any justice. Uh, Moises is a translation of the name Moses, obviously. You might say, but well, Moises, why don't you walk around introducing yourself as Moses? Because it freaks everybody out. <laughs> right? The same reason why the guy called Jesus doesn't walk around saying, hey, I'm Jesus, nice to meet you, right? <laughs> it's okay for Paul, Peter, John, and all those other names, but somehow Moses and, and Jesus is where we drew the line. Not that I'm bitter about it or anything, I'm just getting my, that out there. <laughs> I'm coming, Anthony, I'm coming. <laughs> so when I was born, I, 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 when I was born, I was pastoring, uh, my, my dad was pastoring his first church plant in Puerto Rico. During, during my, yeah, some Puerto Ricans in the house. Okay, all right. We, we're a little place, but we pack a punch, right? So uh, during my birth, I, I swallow fluids from my mother into my lungs. And I, I, was, I was instantly uh, in an incubator. My parents were told, Moises, you're going to die. Not they didn't tell me. They told my parents I was going to die. So I, I wasn't supposed to come out of the hospital. My dad said, he, okay, he's like, my dad tells a story, and I'm probably not doing the story enough justice, but he, he, he goes on and tells the story that he went to the, he, he went to the prayer service that night and, and had the whole church interceding for my life because I was supposed to die. Prayer is important, right? Um, people, people may refuse our love and reject our message, but they're defenseless against our prayer. It, it, he, he, uh, 
he's, um, he said that same night, he goes back to the hospital after prayer night. And he said, Moises, I saw you in the incubator, and I, I saw, I put my hands in the gloves. I don't have pictures of me when I was a baby. I had injections everywhere. It just had bruises and stuff. Um, he inserted his hands in there, right? And he said that a power came over him. And it's my dad telling us, so a power came over him that started in his head, went down to his toes, and came out of his arms. And something miraculously happened that night. The very next day, I was fully healed, discharged from the hospital. So, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't have a middle name. My name is Moises, um, Moses, whatever, you know. And, and my dad being the pastor that he was, he says, I'm going to name you Moses. Him and, his, and my mom literally said, you have been drawn from the water. And I, and I know God's got something special for you. At that age, like a miracle baby, you're going to be amazing. No pressure. <laughs> right? And my dad always knew, and he always told me, and he always reminded me, you're going to do something amazing for God. And when I was 18 years old, I was invited to preach in front of 60 students and share the word of God for the first time in my life. And I thought, what better way to do it than to talk about my birth and how God started my purpose back then? And I preached to these students. It was an amazing time and all this stuff. And you know what city that was happening at? In Waxhaw, North Carolina. You don't connect those pieces back then, but you connect them now. Listen, friends, we, we, our history is not our story. Just like we have 80 plus years of history, we have 80 plus years of history ahead of us that we're going to be a part of and we're going to be able to testify and witness to the people. Waxhaw is a unique city and while we're not going to be the first church that shows up there and we won't be the last one, God has sent us there as reinforcements to that city. And we're walking into it. We're walking into it. What we are is God's gift to us and what we do with ourselves is our gift back to God. I believe Jesus was in the upper room and Jesus said, in conclusion, he said, the day was finishing in ministry and he washes his disciples' feet and he said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them, he says. Once you know what God wants you to do, the blessing comes from actually doing it and it may take some sacrifice, but God has planted eternity in our hearts and that goes beyond our reasoning. God bless you guys. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Awesome job, Moses. Awesome job. Awesome job. The story of Joseph, where Moses leaves it at, 300 years pass to where I'm about to take you. And this whole launching of the promise is a, um, it's a great sermon title, but when you have to live your life launching the promise, for those who had a chance to hear first uh, service, I, I love how Moses uh, dealt with, and he says the first person he goes and talks to is his wife, as in I, and, and as I unpack my story, 
you're going to see, I went and told my wife first several things, several times, and we end up starting over again. And just hearing Moses now, I understand if there's a man in here and you've constantly had to sell a dream to your wife or you felt this urge that God is speaking to you and you go to your wife and then it doesn't work out and then you come back with another one and it does Let me encourage you to know this, that when you have a woman that stays in your corner, see, this is why you cannot choose a person based on how they look in skinny jeans. You can't. You just can't. Because after a few dreams, well, let me, let me, I'm sorry, boys, but, but I'm so thankful for my wife, how she, I, I can't even imagine just thinking about my story that I'm about to tell you, tell you a very small portion of it. The part she had to live, it could not have been great. Let, let me tell you what happened. So Joseph, Joseph tells the people, don't leave my bones here, all right? And through the efforts of, of God working through Joseph and his dream, Israel is in a place that is amazing. But guess what? The amazement wears off and Israel experiences their own uh, holocaust, if you may. And they go through this, this season where nothing works. But watch this. Here's what happened in Exodus 1. Verses, verse 8, I want to tell you what happened. Pharaoh started to die, and new pharaohs was put into place. And eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. And he said to his people, look, these people of Israel, they are outnumbering us. They're stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, if war break out, they'll join our enemies. What happens, a pharaoh arose that didn't know Joseph. And for some reason, whenever someone cannot see a value in you and they are not your race, we are quick to point toward racism, but it's not that. Everyone is not designed to see your value because everyone is not part of the launching of your promise. So God moves us from Minnesota, from quantum physics to cosmetology to preaching, and we're in North Carolina, and he gave us a vision and told us we were going to pastor a church in Charlotte, right? And my wife and I, all of these, these things that was happening spiritually, people prophesying to us that we're going to Charlotte. We finally get to Charlotte and we ended up, our first church was in Kannapolis, right? After that, our second church was in China Grove. And then I met this, this I don't want to say strange man because he wasn't strange. I met this man and through his efforts of being an amazing kids pastor, he helps us to set up our kids world in China Grove, but that wasn't Charlotte. After China Grove, our church moves to Concord, right? Remember, Israel, it's 300 years 
where I'm about to take you to with them. And then look at my wife and I, our life. Our church moves to Concord, and even though this gentleman that I met had helped us to start our kids' world, uh, I don't even think we had a dinner or lunch together before. Now my church has moved to Concord, and then it finally moves to Charlotte. And I've been here, had been here in North Carolina for about 12 years. Finally, we made it to Charlotte, and the pandemic shuts it down. Can you imagine the first conversations, how many first conversations I had had with my wife? We're starting a church in Kannapolis. No, we're going to China Grove. No, we're going to Concord. Now we're in Charlotte, and now we're not. And look at how God connects the pieces. And so watch this. Israel is in a point where they are waiting on this promise that has been dictated, has been capitulated, recapitulated, reiterated to them. It has been overly mentioned to them, and they are ready. And guess what? They have lived their life ready for the promise. And look at what is said to them in Exodus 12, 300 years later, right? 300 years later, Exodus 1 says this, Exodus 12 and 1 says this, while the Israelites were still in the land, of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses. From now on, this month will be the first month of your year. In other words, your life is just now about to start. How many times do you come to church and we preach to you and we tell you and we prophesy to you, today is your day. Your next week is going to be the best week of your life. And you leave and you're like, oh my God. And yet, this was not them acquiring the promised land. But watch this. To add insult to injury, you tell people that have been dressed and waiting for the promise all over and over again from year to year. In verse 11, you tell them this. These are your instructions, they're told, for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, Carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency. In other words, you've been waiting. Wait a minute. It was just 300 years getting. You've been in 300 years of torment. And now the same message you've heard to put on your shoes. Now someone wants to tell you to hurry up and lace them up. Can you imagine that? Someone tell you, you're going to, you, you're going to receive the promise. And you've heard it year after year after year, and now I got to eat a meal in a hurry, and I have to put on my shoes. So in this whole launching the promise, yes, you have to be willing to sacrifice your best, but you got to put your shoes on, right? I know some of you are saying, man, how ironic for you to say that. All of us in this building, we have our shoes on. We, we have an expectation of things that we've been promised, that we know God is going to do. But for some reason, in this text... It's tough to actually get excited about something you've heard over and over again. <clears throat> These are the instructions. Put on your shoes. So I'm having church now in a studio in the loft of our home, right? 
and it's set up to look like it's not in our home. And every week, my wife and I, first we started off singing worship together. Then she got to the point, because she was a church girl when I met her, she was like, I'll just watch it. <laughs> She's like, I'm ready to go to church. She was like, I don't know. And, and, and let me tell you this. Can I tell you something? We were meant to be together. I'm talking about us. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So we started, I started praying. I was like, Lord, I don't know how much longer I can do this in my studio. I said, God, you know what? I could be a real good member at somebody's church. I said, you got to show me what you want me to do, man. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe some of you use these swelling words. Oh, Father, oh, magnificent one, leadeth thou me here. No. Look, look, God, look, man, do you see me? What's up? I need an answer. My children have grown up working in church, and now when they come home to visit, there's no church to take them to. Here's how God does it. When you put your shoes on, when you're ready, watch this, when you're ready for God to do something at any moment, because this prayer was, God, I'm ready. I've shown you this. I've been faithful. Any moment if you need me to fight, I'm ready to fight. Any moment if you need me to preach, I'm ready to preach. I get a call, and it's the same man that actually helped us set up our kids' world in China Grove. And he calls, and I feel like he's vetting me to see if I still have some potential. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. You know how people, all, I don't know if you remember the older saints in the, back in the day in the church, they always wondered if you backslide between Sundays. You, you still holding on? You know, they ask you those kinds of things. You, you, still, you, you still love the Lord? He, you, you still preaching? And I was like, yeah, 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 we're, we're still in. He was like, I want to talk to you. And let me tell you this, I got off the phone, and Moses, I remember going and talking to my wife. And I think this was the, I don't want to say it was the limit, but it was like I didn't get the excitement, like, like you know, I was just willing, I just thought it was going to be really exciting. I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to have a conversation with someone, and it's, it's about church. She was like, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> To the men that are here, let me tell you, sometimes we as men, we make it hard for our wives to be excited about our next move because sometimes we vacillate. It's not because they doubt God. She just had seen me vacillate. She had seen me running with vigor. And then she had to see me live these, ah, oh God. Can I just say this, that there are some people that, you know what, if it wasn't for coming to church on Sunday, some of you wouldn't even stay together. So watch this. Let me tell you this, and then I'm done. But I just feel God leading me to give you this. Because after I talked with Pastor Andrew, he said, man, God wants to do something through you. I believe in you and your wife. I believe in your ministry. And God told me to help you to bring it to pass, whatever you need. All right? But there are some of you in this room right now, right, that 
I don't know if you've ever experienced this, and I'm take my little paper, get ready to go. There were some times we stayed married because if we got a divorce, there was other couples that would divorce as well. Now, I know that may sound sad. We weren't staying together for our children. We weren't staying together because we just loved each other. We were staying together because God had a mandate on our life, and it was about this promise, that the promise was for both of us together. And when Pastor Andrew calls, he has no idea. So if I can encourage you with this, be ready to sacrifice your best. Put your shoes on. Keep them on. And guess what? The person that you actually bought the shoes with, do everything you can to keep them with you. Amen. Because, and I want you to do this, encourage the people on your row. Encourage the people on your row with this. Say, so put your shoes on. God's getting ready to blow your mind. Tell them. Tell someone. Amen. Well, today is a unique day. I sat in my office on Monday with these two preachers, and I said, guys, the assignment of every pastor is to preach a message that evangelizes the lost and disciples the found. But this Sunday, our priority and our assignment is a little bit different. We are to preach and to share the stories that will encourage people. The title of our sermon, of course, is Launching the Promise. And if you're new with us today, what you need to understand, to live, give a little bit of a concept of why we're doing what we're doing, is that in 2020, during the pandemic, while churches were struggling and closing, we were launching a campus in Locust. That campus in Locust has exceeded everything that we thought it would do and continues to grow. If I'm not mistaken, I believe even last year that when you run the numbers, the salvations that came from Locust exceeded the salvations here. But that's who God is. A little bit of competitiveness within me wants to go, uh-uh. <laughs> but it's my privilege to release, to approach things with an open hand and to say, God, you do what you do, what you do best. Yes. Multiply, anoint, and bring harvest. Exodus chapter 13, 18 is this scripture of number three, march out like an army. Number three is, so God led them in a roundabout way. I believe that Anthony's new nickname in my mind is roundabout. <laughs> but thankfully, you're in a position, brother. If I could just encourage you, you've been putting your shoes on for years and years, and you've seen God's goodness, but sometimes you find yourself walking in circles, 
But the Spirit of the Lord says that now your shoe's on because you're fitting to going to do something amazing for the sake of the kingdom. More than anything you've been able to walk through before. The beauty of the put your sandals on is that later we see while they're wandering the wilderness, God reminds us that their sandals never wore out. So there's no need to wear new shoes or to put new shoes on, my friend. The gift set that God's given you is the gift set he will use to change the city. And you're not going to be wore out. Moving on from roundabout Anthony, the way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. I don't know if you know, but schools typically don't get excited about churches meeting in them, especially during the pandemic. But it was almost like when we walked out there and met with that principal, it was almost like our very own Moises, Moses, carried a staff and struck the water and the principal said, what do you need? How often do you want to meet? We're here for you instead of you being here for us. We walked out, we were walking from the front door to my car going, what in the world just happened? <laughs> Didn't see that coming. My favorite part of this verse is, thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Guys, this story of slavery and bondage was not wasted on anything because it was during those hundreds of years that God was building a nation. And you guys have been, you much longer, and you for a period of months have been in an incubator here at Greater Life Church while God is building something within you to make ready for this assignment, to march out like an army. An army is not sent to be an advisor. An army is not a, key, a peacekeeper. Notice the scripture says, not just an army, but an army ready for battle. This was not a peacekeeping operation. This was not a, a, a observe, test the waters, just send weapons and not men, or just send men and not weapons. This was an army, the scripture says, that was ready for battle. They had gone from slaves to military like that, two million of them. Not only that, but on their way out, they plundered Egypt, the Bible says, and they took all their stuff. I can relate. But here's God's goodness. Last year, something unique happened. Two churches, not one, two churches reached out to us and said, hey, y'all want our stuff? And we said, yes. And there's two campuses that are using a lot of that stuff and the chapel because God knew what we needed and when we were going to need it and then he coordinated these things. Are we plundered? No, we're keeping a few things. 
But has God equipped above and beyond for what God is doing in these launches? Yes, he has. An army is sent to take ground. The purpose of an army is for conquest. Nation leaders and kings don't send armies just to go and check things out. They send for conquest. There is an assignment. In the ancient world, while the Israelites were in the nation of Egypt, in the incubator per se, growing to become a nation, to be like an army, in another area that would be the promised land, there were nations that were building cities and towns all over the area. The Anakites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, all of the ites. But they were not building it for them and their generations to follow. They were building it for Israel. You see, the thing is that the ancient peoples all had their own God. Let me remind you, church, of this one thing. That a God by any other name is not a God it is a demon. We serve one God. Amen? There is only one true God. And any God under any other name is demonic in nature. It is not a God. It is a false God. All of these nations had their own God, Baal, Asherah, and, 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 and there's many. They all had these gods and they had operated in an evil way. They were even sacrificing their children to these gods. You see, in the New Testament, we learn a lot about spiritual warfare and how our battle, our battle is not against flesh and blood. However, in the Old Testament, spiritual warfare and physical warfare, we learn, are one and the same. Because when God, the God of Israel, sent the nation of Israel to overtake this people, he was not just giving the land to Israel, he was destroying the demon that had set up shop. Pastor, that's so crass. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Spiritual warfare was not as easy to differentiate and separate in the Old Testament because it looked like physical warfare. At the end of the day, we are sending these ministries out, these campuses, these leaders out, not to go and just have church in another room in another place. We're sending them like an army ready for battle. It was seven or eight years ago that I stood in a storefront pulpit and God gave me a dream. It was a vision because I was awake, I guess. But God showed me in the spirit that there was a mighty army that rose in the room from the congregation and marched toward the stage and marched through me and by me and went out the back wall. And as soon as they went out the back wall, they went in different directions. I did not move. I was standing still because that was not my assignment, but my assignment was to obey God and to see that happen in real time. Beginning next Sunday, February 5th, Greater Life Church will have five places meeting at the exact same time. 
spirit-filled worship happening in Waxhaw, in Mora, which stands for Moreau Road Advocates. It's right in front of East Mech. Locusts here and an Espanol behind this property. Nepali will also begin meeting at their one o'clock service. Literally in one week, the capacity for the harvest more than triples. People are about to meet Jesus. Amen. At this time, I'm going to ask Pastor Anthony, bring Sheila with you, Moises, bring Rosie, Alberto, bring Madeline as well. Paul, would you come bring your wife as well with you? Susan, is you here? Come on up, guys, all the way on the platform. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, you guys just kind of flank me because I want to talk to you. Anybody need Kleenex before I start? Amen. <laughs> Moises' assignment to preach was sacrifice your best. We, we all know that Moises and Rosie have made an incredible impact here at Greater Life. And he's been a great blessing to me. But God's timing couldn't be any more perfect. Because we believe that God deserves our best, that Waxhaw deserves the best that Greater Life Church can throw at it. As a matter of fact, I had a conversation with someone who's a part of your team. Early on during the recruiting process, because my conversation with, with all of them has been, yeah, just plunder us. Talk to people, recruit people. I, go, go, go. That's open hands because I know that God's going to fill it. Amen. And I had a conversation with someone, Moises, and they called me. Hey, preacher, I don't want to talk to you about something. <laughs> Young fellow named Clyde. <laughs> he said, listen, you're the godfather of this thing, man. Is it Okay. So I was like, of course, go and make a bigger impact for the kingdom. And while I've had conversations with even some of you that are part of these, this launch team, and it's a little sad and like, oh, we're going to miss you. And I'm, yeah, I'm going to miss you. See ya. Because I know that God's going to use you, you to do greater things. So Moises, the word is this, make ready for harvest. You're going to be stretched, but make ready for harvest. And Rosie, keep pushing him. You were born to plant this church. Through the water. Anthony, Sheila, when you first came, Kelly and I, 
I just remember when we worked together in Concord that we always thought y'all were the coolest people on staff. We could never dress like y'all, and it made me jealous. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. But really, when, when you first came, it was abundantly clear to us, and if I could just be so bold, that y'all had been broken. You weren't the people I remembered. And I told you this, and I don't know if I've ever told you this, but we went to a conference together. In the beginning of the conference, we're like praying for Anthony and Sheila to have breakthrough. And by the end of the conference, on the way back, I said, that's the Calverts that I know. Because God was rebuilding, redigging the wells. And so my word to you might be scary for some, but I don't think it's scary for y'all because I think picture in my head scars are evidences of victory and hardship and so my word to you is to make ready for a fight because where you're planting needs the light in the darkness like never before that neighborhood needs people just like you you are called to break the back of darkness in that neighborhood and in that development. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. And the church that you're going in is the town that has been built by someone else, but you are to occupy it and to move forward in faith. Amen? Alberto and Madeline, I'd like to introduce them to you guys. This is our leaders for our Espanol congregation. We're thrilled that they showed up just at the right time. Now, it was breakfast we had last week. As Alberto shared to me, he moved all the way from Miami for this assignment, right? But he didn't know this was the assignment. Just knew that God was calling him here. And Alberto was sharing with me that it had been a few weeks before we, we had lunch together with them. We were praying through things. And he told me, he said, listen, I told my wife, if I don't hear from Andrew today by one o'clock, I'm out. <laughs> and he shared with me that he was in the grocery store. And I believe he showed it to you because she knew as well. That this was the mandate that he gets a message from me. And that's the Lord saying, I got you. And last week, they had a test run service with over 50, uh, I think it was 53 Hispanic folks over there just worshiping in that language. But we can't wait to see the lives that are about to be changed through our Espanol ministry. Paul, early on, you sat in my office. I came to a meeting in a home, a Bible study, and you weren't there. And so I decided that I would preach about what if the Nepali church would come and be a part of Greater Life Church because you weren't there to stop me, and so I did. <laughs> so then, and he came back and met with some of those folks and met with me and said, wow, this is something we really want to do, we want to be a part of. And one of the things that you shared with me that still sticks with me today is that there's 20,000 Nepalis in our area that need Jesus. And it, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard road. It's, it's a challenge to bring those folks along through that salvation process. It's, it's much more complicated. And not only that, but Paul, in his relationships, 
opened the door for us to plant two churches in India and now the third in Nepal as of two weeks ago. So, so, so what we see, what we see sometimes, there's more happening, amen? So I see the kids have come in because we're sending our associate kids pastor, Landon, with Moises. We're sending musicians, everything that we can to make these things work, to make these things take off. I, I can't even begin to imagine what God's about to do. Because something that blesses this preacher more than anything is those conversations with those people as they say, I found greater life and now my life is this. You're gonna hear those stories. 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 And there's gonna be lives that would never have been changed otherwise had not you said yes, and you said yes, and you said yes, and you said yes again. All of you have unique stories. And all of these guys are gonna be committed to Greater Life Church in this way, that they're gonna be spirit-filled in faith and practice. We, go, we believe in the power of the Holy Ghost, amen? They're gonna have a missions mentality. In other words, they're not just gonna go sitting beside their four walls. They're gonna be constantly reaching out. And they're gonna do for others where they're going like we've done for them. They're gonna have open hands. They're gonna be generous. They're gonna be a blessing. These people up here are powerhouses in the spirit. <laughs> Any of them could do this job. I'm thankful that they're not. I get to keep doing it but I'm thrilled to see what God's going to do. So here's what I'd like to do because we're gonna pray them out and I'm gonna ask you for, the, for help. Because guys, we have a challenge. We're launching them out. We gotta fill it back up. Amen? Vessels that remain full and never change get stagnant. But we wanna pour out so fresh water can flow in. Amen? So, the challenge to you behind me today is to go and conquer, to go and redeem, to go in God. God split the sea and he will provide. Go and march and fight like an army. On the count of three, if you're going with one of these leaders into this new work, our Espanol, our Nepali, our Waxhaw, or our Mora. On the count of three, I'd like you and only you to stand. One, two, three. Stand if you're leaving. Stand quickly. Church family, look around. Now go to prayer with me. Lord, in the name of Jesus, these leaders that are standing, these leaders that are behind me, I pray your anointing would flow. I pray that the battles in the spirit realm would already be won in victory. I pray, God, that the hearts that will be changed, that the drive-bys that see the churches and see the ministries and are drawn in in miraculous fashion, I pray for harvest like never before. I pray for strength as they go into the pulpit in these new ministries next Sunday. I pray for strength and encouragement and joy 
that as things begin to shift in the spirit realm, that you will do for them what you've done for your people throughout history, that you will give victory upon victory upon victory. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, as we send a hundred out, a hundred more will come and then some. I pray, Lord, that this church would remain healthy and strong to be a blessing to more campuses as you deem fit, Lord. Jesus, we wait on you. On this day, we believe that you are launching the promise over Anthony and Sheila's life, plant a church in Charlotte. Over Paul's life, reach the 20,000 Nepalis in our area. Over Alberto's wife, Alberto's life, bring a, a Hispanic ministry to this area that can reach both the first and generation, second generation Hispanics. For Moises and Rosie, may the harvest be quick. May they have the capacity to receive it and to be good stewards of it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can you give God praise for what he's going to do? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you guys so much. God bless you. If you're here today and you don't know if, uh, real quick, if you don't know if you're a member or not, then you're probably not. Because how we do membership around here is there's an application. You go through the class, you get an application. They are available at the info center. If you forget everything Angel said or I said, go to the info center. I love that. They're available at the info center. Fill that application out. We want to include you in our members meeting. And this is also for the campuses if you want to be a part of that as well. I will make this final announcement that our Espanol and our Nepali churches are on site. They're considered a part of the main campus, but they're doing ministry to those demographics and to those language peoples as well. Waxhaw will continue to be with us on Wednesday night until they make a decision to go ahead and move forward from that. Pastor Anthony's ministry will start right away on Wednesday night as they endeavor to change lives in that community, in that area. We're all a part of the same family. I'm thrilled to see what God's about to do. And don't forget on your way out, if you'd like to grab a, a booklet for our members meeting, please feel free to do so. Let me pray for you. Now, Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do even here next week. You're so good. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we forget that you own cattle on a thousand hills and the hills themselves. You're a God of resource and a God of blessing. You're a God of creativity and anointing. And now, God, may we all expect a launching of a promise in our own lives, trusting you, leaning into you, giving our best, being dressed and ready for the call. And Lord, everybody in this room today, I declare, I ask that we all would have a spiritual confidence that we are warriors in Christ Jesus and that the devil must heed our words 
as we pray in the Spirit and as we use the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.